Michael Dye. Welcome to the coffee table. The gym and I sat in and we moved it here just for you. So thank you. Uh, thanks for jumping in. Um, it, honestly, the Change Workshop, first of all, thank you. Um, you've got, I mean, you said it earlier, 60 years of life you're trying to download and just <laughs> move throughout the, the church and the world as much as you can. It's incredible. Um, but just even how willing you've been to share with us, with Mission, the people of Mission, the people outside of Mission that have been a part of the Change Workshop for, so far, it's been incredible. And it's stuff that we have... Yeah no ability to do on our own. And so it's been incredible to have you uh, as a part of all this. And honestly, the sessions that we've done so far, seen incredible work done so far, a uh, lot of great reactions, but also I know that you've been itching to get more things out of your brain. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you say it a lot in the sessions, you just got speeches for everything, um, but it's actually true. And so uh, this will do some questions and answers. We've had some great things come up from some people. I know you have questions that normally come up in right. conversation and when you actually counsel people, lead groups, train trainers, all of that. So we're just going to uh, kind of move through some of those today. Anything you want to start off with about yeah, I, all this? You, know, like if you don't know where you're going, you end up somewhere else. And, and, and my goal for all of these sessions is to impart hope in people mm -hmm. that, you know, we know what's broken you know mm -hmm. we know why you do the things you don't want to do and we actually have a plan that works mm -hmm. that you can get better and you know and we'll get into the hope formula and, and yeah. some other things you know but hope really is a powerful thing that gives you the ability to take a risk yeah. see and without taking a risk especially with relationships mm -hmm. you really aren't ever going to uh realize you know your true potential in life yeah. so you know hopefully this will bring hope. <laughs> One would hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if it doesn't, I don't know what else to do. You so. know, willing to take the risk <laughs> yeah. of trusting others and God in order to, uh, to get well. And just... Yeah. You know, it's interesting too. Uh, um, we'll get to the questions eventually, I'm sure. But the, the hope thing is so interesting. You think about how many political candidates, how many companies know the power of hope mm -hmm. and how common it is for people to sell hope. Right. But they're selling it all to solve the surface problems right. and they seem like big problems but they're usually not they're saying right. you know we can fix this governmental thing we can fix this inconvenience in your life we can mm. fix this whatever it is and it's it feels like hope until it runs out and i think what you're getting at and, and what jesus gets at is none of that stuff matters right if you don't solve the actual problem which is way down deep inside and so let's right. just go straight to that right bring some hope to that, like the actual center of who you are, your heart. And then all the other stuff's going to look a lot easier. Um, yeah. And that's what I've seen so far. That's what I love about what you do. And there's false hope. You know, yeah. it's like looking through history, if we put our hope in political answers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to the world's problems, how's that working? <laughs> Hasn't worked yet. You see, but we keep <laughs> doing it over better, and over again. But you know, this yeah. candidate, this party or something yep. is going to make things better. So mm -hmm. they ins try and still this false sense of hope right and then we'll vote for them you right. know and, and, and do that but you know and anyway in my perspective which has kind of helped me get free of some of that stuff mm -hmm. is that the only really hope we have is spiritual answers to our problems. Yeah. it's changing who we are as human beings you know uh to in the image that christ made us mm -hmm. and, and if we do that then like a revival yeah. type type of thing yeah. that that that's, uh, to me, the only real answer right. 
to stem the tide of, of as, as as a human race of the direction we're going. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a great segue into our first question, which we're coming out of the gate strong here. I know, um, but specifically, you just said like the hope of the world is in Christ, right? And Christ's body on the earth is the church. So yeah. the church really matters. The people of God really matter. We're the ones that bring the hope to the world. Right. And the first question I know you wanted to talk about too is. Uh, why is sex addiction specifically, and then other addictions, why are they often more prevalent um, and just coming up at a higher rate among Christian men and women? Because that's a that's a really big problem if we're the hope of the world embodied yeah. <laughs> in, and, in the world. So why is that happening? What's and, you going know, on? and it's embarrassing. I mean, it's not yeah. a good witness. No, it's <laughs> really not. <laughs> Which is probably why we don't talk about it much. Be cause... a Christian and have your addictions escalate. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, it took me a long time to figure this out because statistically, you know, some years ago, you know, sex addiction, mm. that's an easy one, yep. uh, in the secular world is about 19%. Mm. And it's like 60 to 70% among Christians. Really? Yeah, yeah. Shoot. I mean, this is, you know, a couple years ago. Statistics go up and down with the same. Sure, thing. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it was three to four times more. And, yep. you, you know, you look at some of, you know, Barna and Covenant Eyes and these kinds of things, mm -hmm. and it validates that. Maybe because there's more reporting. Wow. But anyway, yeah, yeah, it, but... it's it's more of a problem. And, you know, 60% of pastors, you know, mm -hmm. we had those in mm -hmm. the stats, are struggling with right. pornography. 75% right. of youth pastors, 75% mm -hmm. of church men, you mm -hmm. know, struggling with it. And... Uh, one of the things that uh, it took me a while to figure it out, okay, yeah. and the, and that's why my my book on the church helping or helping right. helping or hurting yeah. is all about legalism, right? Because legalism with sin is like trying to put out a fire with gasoline, <laughs> you know. It it and it comes again in uh, the first chapter. I mean, uh, the first part of Romans 7, you know, uh -huh. it's a loaded chapter. It's my life, my <laughs> but, life chapter. You know, what Paul yeah. said, I ran across this yeah. and it said, he said, um, until the law came in, mm -hmm. I didn't have a problem with coveting. But as yeah, soon as yeah. the law came in, the law took advantage of sin in me and I started coveting everything. Right. So right. this is, you know, one-liners. <laughs> a yeah. lot of one-liners. So this <laughs> is do. the one. And I'm glad for it. <laughs> this is the one-liner, right? Is the law excites sin. Yeah. It says stolen water is exactly sweeter. Exactly what saying. Yeah. You well, see? and it just speaks to that, like, it, it's almost as if, you know, you think, and I think this is a simplistic view, but it, it seems to make a lot of sense. I heard a lot, especially in my early days of following Jesus. So when I was in college, um, you know, as soon as, and I've even told this to uh, people that get baptized, mm -hmm. uh, we talk about Black Monday, might not be the next day, but coming is a time where you really experience a new level of your brokenness right. and it's going to hurt more because you thought you just washed it away. But there's this thing that like this, this temptation comes in extra strong and the battle really begins almost in a lot of ways when we say, no, I'm, I'm going to battle the root problem. I'm going to go after sin in my life. I'm going to be more like Jesus. And the opposer, the enemy says, oh, no, no, I don't want to let that happen. Well, and that, like that too, the battle but, begins. And so it feels like that's what's happening. But no, nah, that's, that that's like, an old Christian thing. Right. You know? There's more divorces, there's more of this, yeah. you know, it's because the enemy is attacking us more. Sure. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah. You know? And it's never felt but, like that's really what's going on. But, but what it is, but it it's, it's actually way. a brain thing. Yeah. Okay. It's that the more exciting something is, uh -huh. the more addicting it is. Yeah. 
Say. Well, and so for a, a regular person to go to a massage parlor and get sex and do pornography, there's nothing wrong with it. It's uh -huh. legal, you know. Uh, and, but for a Christian to do it, what's it feel like? It's 10 times more exciting. It's yeah. like stolen water is right. sweeter. Yeah. And so when a Christian, you know, does those kinds of things, see, right. it's they're getting a much greater rush out of it because mm -hmm. the more wrong something is, the more exciting reason, it is. I mean, if sin wasn't fun, no one would do it. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't exciting. Right? Yeah. And so uh, years ago they did a, uh, I, I read an uh, experiment they did with college students, you know, they're mm -hmm. kind of like rats, you know, they hey, do all sorts of things. Absolutely. With them, right? In many ways. And anyway, they, they bake these batch of cookies uh -huh. and they put it, and, <laughs> and, and and they put them in two plates, right? Yep. And they let the students in, and they said, "You guys can have these cookies, but we bake these special, and they're and they're much better. Uh -huh. And but you can't have those, right. right? And then they left the room. So you can imagine what happened, right? It was you know they wanted some go and switch the cookies. They put right. one of the other ones. You know they're all the same batch, yep. right? Yep. And then they went back in, and you know they filmed it, you know secretly and all that. And what happened is the stolen cookies actually mm. taste better mm. than the ones. The forbidden fruit yep. was, you know, is a delight to the so eyes, like, you know. Do a taste eating. test, literally. Huh? Did they have them do a taste test, say, hey, which one's better? And they're like, oh, these ones are way better. Well, the ones that they stole like, yeah, were, were sweeter. Even though they were the same. So that's cookies. why, you know, especially <laughs> sex addiction is, it's like yeah. going from cocaine to crack cocaine. Uh, it's yeah. much more of a rush. Yep. So it's much, the brain becomes much more addicted to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which speaks to the, the, the real thing that's going on is it's, it's not about the substances. I mean, there are worse substances and better substances. I mean, a magazine, mm -hmm. they're talking about porn. The magazine is not as exciting as video, right? I mean, there's a, there's a reason things are getting worse in How that you way. How Tommy? Uh, I would not know. Uh, no, I would know because yeah. full transparency, it's been a yeah. struggle in my life. There you yeah. go. I said it. Okay. Um, because if it wasn't a struggle in my life, I would be a very large anomaly in the, in the system. Um, but, it, but it's interesting because things are getting worse, but it's still, it's not about the substance. Right. It's about what's going on inside my heart, which That's is, right. it's funny too. I mean, you think, you know, the, the neurochemistry is really important because now we understand it. Right. But we also understood it when, when somebody wrote Genesis right. and said, well, it's just that apple, you can't have that one. It'll the, kill you. A delight to the eyes. Well, that's that? exciting. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe I should, what if I smelled it? What if I, you know, it just speaks to the, it, yeah. the, the it's perfect human existence. It's exactly yeah. what we do still. The forbidden fruit yeah. is it. And, you know, and for most of us, I could see, I grew up, you know, long story, of course, 74 years old, but, uh, but I was a chronic thief. Hmm. Okay. And I was also an adrenaline addict yep. and I stole stuff from every store I went into, hmm. not because I needed it. Cause you it. needed it. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Right. Because it was a rush. It was fun. You see? Yep. And so, you know, I'd have that thing and I stole it and I went through this and same thing with sex addiction or other addictions. You know, right. It's just the more of a rush it is, yep. the more the brain becomes addicted to so, it. So I'm assuming the answer is not stop being a Christian no. so that things are less addictive. So what's the answer when we, when we move, especially as a, as somebody who's newly following Jesus or just newly taking it seriously, maybe they're following Jesus and trying to get well and get healthy and become more like Jesus. I mean, I know the answer is to do all these things and actually get to the thoughts and belief systems, but like, it's worth it, right? We don't want to go back to where it was less addictive, right. but now I'm not trying so hard. Yeah. That's not the answer. So why is it worth it to push forward, even though now I have 
more of an addictive rush with all these problems? Well, it's once the Holy Spirit gets in this, say that's, you know, I didn't have a problem with stealing or lying or, you know, sex or doing all that kind of stuff until I became a Christian. And then, ah, oh, bummer, man. And, you know, the battle yeah. began. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I started becoming convicted, yeah. you see, uh, that it, this was wrong. See? Mm -hmm. And the more wrong it was, you know, the more I got convicted. Right. And then the only way to stop that is, is to kill the voice of the Holy Spirit. See? Mm -hmm. And on the theme of the, this whole series, Tommy, is you can't overcome, you know, the destructiveness and the sin in your life alone. Right. See? And that, you know, sex addiction and all addictions mm -hmm. thrive in isolation. Right. So that's why I wrote Genesis. It's just simple understanding right. of this is how we're wired as a human being. Mm -hmm. You know, we can never can realize our potential mm -hmm. and, you know, without relationship with God and people. Right. And the thing about that is, is God works through people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, our bottom line, bottomless bottom line okay, is recovery is learning to trust again. Right. And, and especially trusting other people with my shame, my secrets and my sin. So right. how do we create a safe atmosphere yeah. where we can start to unpack this stuff and get other people involved in our struggle with it. And that's the thing of God. Right. Okay? So the struggle is now I'm getting more bang out of it mm -hmm. because it's more wrong, right. right? And so there's more shame in it. So the more I I need to share it with other people because right. I can't do it myself, you know, AA and all that, you know, mm -hmm. thing, you know, they if they could have overcome their addiction by themselves, they would have. Right. But yeah. it's the fellowship, you know. And God working through people that gives us the strength to overcome sin. Right. And I think one of the other questions we'll get in, into that uh, yeah. in a little while in more detail. So. Yeah, that's great. So anyway, that's you know, you can't overcome this stuff, you guys. Whether it's food, sex, yeah. rage, anger, you know, whatever God is convicting you in your right. life that He wants you to be free of, you're not going to be able to do it alone. Right. I can't get cleaned up. And then bring a halfway version yeah. to somebody. Yeah. I got to let them you know, in the early thing, all the way at the base of the problem. And, yeah. and the other thing about this I'll share right now is that people who do overcome it by themselves, about yeah. 10%, okay, or just get delivered, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in my experience, they're not, they're not able to help anybody else. Yeah, they, that's not repeatable. Well, well they know they do don't what have, I did. Well, they don't have do? empathy don't for know. people who are struggling uh, and failing. Yeah. You see? You know, and so if you struggle right. and fail, well, it's, you don't have enough faith. You know, I had enough faith, so I just got delivered. You right. Know? But, you know, God allows us to fail and struggle and fight our way through these things because then we have empathy right. to help other people who are struggling. Well, if we don't have but, empathy and can't help anybody else, then we'll never actually grow to the fullest extent because, yeah. spoiler alert, in a later session, like, we give to grow. That's right. And so if we don't have that empathy and we can't actually walk alongside somebody else, we're capped. Yeah. Our spiritual growth is capped. Right. And that means our enjoyment of our life right. is capped and our all of it. Potential is a human being created in God's image. It's all capped. Tommy, we're still on the first stuff. question. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's let's move on. But uh, this is great. Uh, again, we're we're gonna mine the depths here. Um well and so that that does help. We're talking about, you know, this difference between experience addiction even before following Jesus and after and the changes there. And I think one of the main problems uh, that people can come up with too, especially somebody who doesn't grow up in a Christian home, maybe it's mm -hmm. traumatic home, but maybe it's just, I've never known anything about this before. And 
the hard part about hearing that recovery is the return to a former healthy state, the first question that usually comes up, especially when it's like, and it probably happened in the first nine months of your mm -hmm. life. And, mm -hmm. and that set the foundation. It's like, whoa, 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 what's, what if I don't have a healthy state to return to? Where do I go? What's my image of what's possible? What's my ideal? What if I didn't have a former healthy state? How do I return to it? Where am right. I going? Well, I'm an expert at this because I was pretty much nailed in the womb and it went downhill from there. That's a really good point, actually. You know I mean? <laughs> so you would know something about yeah, I mean, this. I wasn't yeah, wanted, yeah. you know, and yeah. all that and neglected. And then right. I had a lot of trauma as a child and all that. That'd be a whole other hour long video. Right. Your yeah. life story. But, it's you know, that's a long story. Crazy. But uh, and and so, you know, I. I came out of that with no identity. I was lost. I was crazy. I mean, I was wild, stealing, lying, cheating, vandalism. I mean, all this just crazy things, you know, looking for myself in all the wrong places because yeah. I had, you know, no one gave me an identity as a kid. So I don't have an identity to go back to uh, before, you know, I started all this self-destructiveness. Okay. So what? how do you do that? Well, once again, you know, both Jeremiah and, and uh, uh in Psalms, you know, talk to us about, you know, he knew us before we were, we were knitted in the womb. Right. right? But right. the one I like the most is from Ephesians, where he says, we are his workmanship. Yeah. And I love just to meditate on what is workmanship. Yeah. You know, it's creating, creating something, you know, right. it's, it's designing something, building something, you know, an artist, you know, we are his workmanship, you know, created in Christ Jesus, you know, for a purpose, right. for good works that God created beforehand right. that we should walk in them. Right. So that's why we find ourselves by moving ourselves. So we are his. So it says, you know, lots of places in the Bible that God had a plan for your life. Right. And he had planted that in, in my understanding. He implanted that plan with your specific talents right. and works to enhance the kingdom and yeah, gifts, yeah. right? Into your soul before you were born. Yeah. And your soul, you know, gets established in in right. you, right? right? And that's, you know, the healthy state to return to is and and he talks about that, you know, in the Psalms he says, he restoreth my soul. Right. Right. So what is that? He Not builds it fresh and new, but restores it to right. something. So it's almost like you think I'm, I'm trying to put like eight, eight different pieces together in my head here, yeah. but this is really helpful. So it's, it's almost as if God is helping us return to the ideal and potential that he set out for us, even though that's not looking into the past necessarily for us, right. even though he implanted the wiring for it right. and the potential for it in us. Because um, you see that as a kid, kids are unbelievably selfish and that's all they can think about is themselves. And like, it's not a bad thing. It just is what they are, right. but they also are still innocent. Right. They're not sinless, but they're innocent still. You see all this budding potential and you see it go haywire. So I'm not trying to return to my two-year-old self that was like, oh, he was a sweet kid. I'm trying to return to what I'm even seeing maybe the sparks of then because God implanted the right. wiring and the potential for it. Until... Yeah, yeah. You lose your innocence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of trauma and abuse and neglect and all these bad things. And all the so, things I had to cope you know, it's with. It's our yeah. soul who is our most vulnerable state. 
because yeah. that's our true identity, and we're going to do a session on yeah. on that. Right. You know, wounded in, and there's right. a right. a whole process in the change books about you know wounded in your identity, right. you see, and because that's the place we're most vulnerable, and right. so when we become wounded there, it's the place. You know, the mimicly, mm-hmm. you know, protects it from being guarded. See? Right, because so, that we know yeah. that matters most. And yeah. so we're going to guard that the most. That's the best part so of it. Yeah. It's yeah. like returning to a former healthy state at the beginning of the creation and the universe. <laughs> right. Well, it calls back to, like, I, I think there's a good reason Genesis doesn't start with, sorry, the book Genesis in the Bible yeah. <laughs> doesn't start with... I wrote that too. The fall. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's utter plagiarism. Um, it, it makes sense that it doesn't start with the fall. It makes sense that it starts with the ideal because God right. said, this is how I want it to be. And then Revelation, we're returning to that place. Right. But it's better and new because it's been now refined by this fire, but but we're returning to the same place because right. the ideal was already set out. Is that that's what's going okay. on? Yeah. There's another little part to this, and you know, I would take too long with yeah. this, but it it's interesting to understand a word, yeah. and the word is responsibility. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the word responsibility means the ability to respond. Oh, the ability to respond. So some, let me, I, yeah, okay. Yeah, so let me finish, or I'll lose my thought. <laughs> yeah, okay? that's good. Okay, so, so some things, you know, you avoid because you don't have the ability to respond to it. Like oh, when I was, yeah, you know, yeah. director of the rescue commission, you know, they tried to make me an administrator uh-huh. and I didn't have, I avoided that and right. pushed it away and did right. a terrible job of it. Cause I just didn't have, I'm, I'm not an administrator kind of person. I'm a visionary kind yeah. of person. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So especially with your children, you'll see that there's a certain, a God-given soul, once we talk about soul ability, uh-huh. and I have the ability to respond, so I welcome those responsibilities. Right, right, right. Because I can do them. Because I think? was able to respond. Yeah, and yeah. I avoid responsibilities that right. I don't have the the natural giftings to respond to, see? So where does that come from, see? I mean, those are God-given abilities to yeah. respond, and I believe, just like nature, that God designed each and every one of us to play a part right. in, in the whole, in yeah. the whole, in right. the kingdom. Right. And, you know, and some people are teachers or some people are missionaries or some people are doctors or whatever they are. You right. See, and it works together for the good. There's, yeah. you know, worker ants and there's soldier ants and there's queen ants. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and with, they all, you know, are not ones greater than the other, but they all right. just, you know, work together uh, in the whole. So this right. is, you know, it's not so much, it's, when you don't have a healthy, you know, family with an identity right. to return to, mm-hmm. then it's it's God working through his word, his spirit, and right. people to restore, you know, who you are and your your abilities to respond in yeah. in your soul. And once again, I would say it once more again. You know, it's it's that I just love that phrase. Yeah, he really restoreth helpful. my soul. Yeah. Yeah. So what is he restoring? Why does it have to be restored? Right. But who does it? Right. See? And then right after that he says, you know, and then he leads me into the paths uh-huh. of right behavior, of righteousness. Right. right. You know, for what? His namesake. Right. It's not about me. Right. He restoreth my soul 
because he has a path for me to walk in yeah. you know, and he will guide me in that path of righteousness mm -hmm. which is my true identity so anyway it's kind of cool yeah. you know yeah i think that is great and it, stuff it, to think about anyway it, it makes sense too that i i don't need this picture perfect childhood that i deviated from and i'm trying to return to that healthy state or i was great but then the thing happened it, it's not so clean cut it, it, that means that any of us can especially have other people in our lives that say hey by the way did you know you're really good at blank yeah oh and okay that's not just like oh that's a nice compliment that's like that might be a hint at the fact that you're god's workmanship and the part that yeah. you play. And so maybe even that gives new direction to a personality test, a strength assessment, kind of those types of things that are like, well, how did he wire you? Because that's massively important. And that's also maybe going to tell you where your largest uh, largest walls and yeah. uh, defense mechanisms are because wounded and, in your gift. Interestingly enough, that's a role of our fathers. It, yeah. it, and this is in the change books too, we have, mm -hmm. you know, these roles. But it's our mother's role to give us the ability to receive uh, and give love and affection. Hmm. That's what she does, right? But it's our father's role, generally, sure. right? yeah. to release us into our identity. He's the one that says, you know, you're a rocket scientist, or you're an athlete, or you have a gifting to this. You right. see what I mean? And then he disciplines us, right? And mentors us yeah. in discovering our identity. So you think about how God is a lot like our earthly fathers yeah. if we had healthy right. ones, right. you know, it's not my thing, but, you know, uh, because, you know, he, he, he uses our fathers, you know, to, to release us yeah. into identity. And then he gives us the wherewithal and everything, you know, in the discipline and all, all mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's an amazing system. Yeah. So if you don't it's have a father, great system, you know, which is, which right. is epidemic in our country, yeah, or the fathers are, you know, working or, you know, just not, you know, then we, you know, we, we don't have our, that identity. Mm -hmm. right? And so we start looking into our identity in all the wrong places, right. which is, you know, from sexuality and porn and social media and all these distorted things. Right. right? And then, you know, once again, it takes the spirit of God in us, you know, to clean up all that trash and in, right. in what we call lies, survival lies and rejected right. lies and all that. And to restore, you know, what our earthly father should have done right. in, in in the first place. Right. Okay? So, um, you know, but it, it, there's nothing more gratifying for a father than to see each of his children's unique giftings right. and then being able to, you know, encourage, mentor, and discipline mm -hmm. them, you know. Release them into, into, into that gifting. Into exploring yep. the experiences of those giftings. Right. You know, finding yourself. Yeah. You know? All right. So. so so a lot of us don't have that. You're right. This great segue to you. And a lot of us don't have that, um, whether it was a, a distant father or a father not there or a mother or a father single playing both of those roles and trying to balance them, or we didn't have the loving foundation. All the things can go wrong. And, and I think one of the places we can get held up so often uh, in a question that stops people from coming to Jesus in the first place, but then also blocks us from intimacy with God is this, this question that looms in front of all us. Why does a loving God, why does this perfect father that I have that's loved me even in my sin, but why does this perfect God, why did he allow 
all this evil and this bad stuff in the first place? Why didn't we stay in the book of Genesis 1? And yeah. why did 3 have to happen? Yeah. Why did it fall? Why did my parents go away? Why did the trauma happen? Right. How could my loving father that I'm supposed to love and trust now, why did he let it happen in the first place? Yeah, that's that's one of the fundamental questions of all time. And it really is a question that keeps a lot of people from coming to God, especially to Christ, because, you know, how can I believe in a loving God who allowed all the bad things to happen to me in my life and the people I care about in my life? And, and you know, like I said, even C.S. Lewis, you know, when his right. wife died, mm-hmm. he just, you know, lost his faith for a while yeah. because he couldn't understand why that would happen. But once again, I think it goes back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And... And it's an important question because if you don't know the game plan, you won't be able to participate with it. Right, right. right. And the game plan to me is why God set this up this way and why he made, you know, Satan the god of this world. There's a big, you don't hear too many sermons on that one, right? Seriously. And uh, it has to do with temptation. See, that God made us in his own image. That's where it begins. So right. what does that mean, we're made in his image? And what's, what's, why is that different than everything else that we're in the mm-hmm. observable universe? Mm-hmm. Is that we're given this God-like gift of free will. Yep. And free will uh, allows us and actually forces us to make moral choices. Animals don't make moral choices, right. you know? Right. But we do. We have right and wrong, the Ten Commandments, and, and all that. So from the book of Revelation, you know, excuse me, from you know Genesis to Revelation, it's the saga of the Bible yeah. is about those who are struggling with temptations mm-hmm. and overcoming it and, and, and then giving into it, you know, right. and David right. and Bathsheba, you know, right. it just goes on and on yeah. and on. And so... The game is, is that we would be able to, you know, overcome this temptation. And of right. course, the failure of the Old Testament, trying to do it by rules and laws mm-hmm. and our own will. And then Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to put my spirit in you. And that's going to give you the a strength and an ability right. to overcome, you know, temptation. Right. And of course, temptation, when it's acted out, becomes sin. Mm-hmm. And then that's where death then all comes right. into. So, right. so, you know, think about we're all tempted. So, you know, we're tempted with, to be honest or to lie. We're tempted with, you know, to forgive or to seek revenge. We're tempted to be self-centered or other-centered. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other ones can you think of? Uh, you said uh, tempted to, yeah, forgive or take revenge. I think that one's huge, um, to cover up what I, what I've done wrong. Um, temptation to, to give away or take for myself. Be selfish. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. Greed versus generosity. Grace or what's the opposite of grace? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, legalism. Yeah. Yeah, Criticism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Judgmentalness and legalism. And, um, I think the most difficult temptation there is, is power. Mm. When people get power, it, there's so much temptation to abuse it, especially men who have power. How many of them fall into sexual sin? Yeah. See, yeah. because, you know, they're just, you know, because they have power, you know, these women are tempting them all the time and they give in to that and, and it just leads to corruption. See? Yeah. So I think power is, is not only an addiction, right. the feeling of it, right. but the temptation of it is, is, 
is overwhelming for most people. Right. That's why you didn't see too many, you know, young prophets in the Old Testament. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Sense. Yeah. Because they yeah. couldn't handle it. You yeah. know. It, it, it has you know a sense of humility. I mean, look at all the stuff that Paul had to go through because right, right. he was a Pharisee, legal, judgmental. Yeah, they, had a lot of power. What yeah, he said yeah. went. Yeah, but you know, yeah. he spent 13 years in Tarsus without being able to do anything. Where God right, right. rooted this out, gave Take a spirit of humility. Yeah. And of course, I think you know one of the greatest you know temptations all through history is is sexual. Mm-hmm. you know temptation mm-hmm. and you know it's every man's battle you know i yeah. do the seminars and ask you know guys you know how many sexual thoughts do you have a day and and, and they can't count them and yeah. the women are going really you know yeah, you guys I, are messed up and i said you know <laughs> women how many sexual thoughts do you have a, a day or, or like a month you know <laughs> they go like one you know <laughs> As one guy was really honest. He says, I only yeah. have one. Starts when I get up in the morning. <laughs> and it stops when I go to sleep at night, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, that's the yeah. key word. But see, it's, ah, a, it's funny. But it's a tremendous temptation. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so why did God set this up? Right. I think, you know, I don't have all the answers. You know, his ways are not our ways and stuff. But, you yeah. know, some things to figure it out as far as trying to help people, you know, understand, you know, the the plan here and participate with it is God gave us this incredible gift of free will and that we would love him and, and, uh, trust him enough. Right. Okay. To, um, to give it back to him. Yeah. Your will, not mine. Right. And, you know, and not take control. You see? Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's, that's. Well, it seems important knowing the game plan too is important, not just because, you know, well, God deserves something and he wants me to give it back to him. And so, you know, it's good for him. It's like, well, God is fine without us. It's, it's actually the best thing for us. The be- the way he designed us, at least what I, what I think I'm hearing is that the way he designed us is to be like him. And the problem is it's really hard to bear the weight of that power to make moral decisions. Right. An animal's life is easier. Right. Because you know, they're living comfort, but because, you know, to make moral decisions, they're incredibly challenging, but the best possible life, the people we look up to somebody like, I mean, even you look at Jesus, like mm-hmm. took all of the weight of other people's sin onto right. his shoulders. That's the kind of person I want to be. Right. And the only way I get there is if I can handle the weight of my own decisions. And so this, this process of, of becoming better at this and growing in that strength and, uh, not giving in to temptation, that battle that we go through actually refines us so that we can be truly human, right? Exactly. I mean, that's the point, and that's probably the best yeah. life that I want to live. And Jesus, and so it's worth. I mean, it. you look at Jesus, you know, he was, was tempted in all the ways we were, right. and he went out right. in the desert for forty days, right? right? And then when he was weak and vulnerable, yeah. Satan came in yeah. to tempt him, right? You know, with. And, Power, also. with power, you know, yeah, use you know, the power you have. Yeah, 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 use the power you have, and yeah. you know, and turn the bread into right. and take him up on the mountains, right. which is interesting. Yeah, and he yeah. says, "All these kingdoms belong to me. Yeah. If you bow down to me, you can have it all. You can have it. You can have it all. Or throw yourself down." See, right. so you know, he was tempted in all the ways that we were. And I think he was tempted, you know, especially for as a man sexually, mm. because he's like a rock star, right? Right, right. right. So he had all these women around him, yeah. you know, yeah. that were kind of throwing themselves at him, probably constantly. But yet, he never gave in to the temptation and sinned. So he's telling us that that's the power that I right. have, and I'm going to put that power in you. Right. So once again, my one, my bottom line, you know, which you might want to kind of meditate on this and think about it, right? right is 
without evil, free will would be redundant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There wouldn't be any more. It'd be the Garden of Eden. Thing. Yeah, it would just they, be the yeah. continual cycle yeah. that I don't have to make any decisions. And, and, it just and we happens. talk about that in the seminars, you know, that that's what demons do, you right. know, is they influence us in our weaknesses. Right, right. In, in our belief systems and our distortions of who we and are. That's what temptation is. It's right. not this like, look, the shiny object over here. It's just right. poking the thing that's already in right. me. That, that and, free and will. And sin idea. creates shame and shame isolates us. Right. And so that's the goal of the whole temptation thing. Right. You is it, take out that. We piece get into sin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, and James talks about, you know, sin leads to death and disease. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like karma sort of thing, right? right? Right. Is that we look at our individual choices and the consequences of it, you know, of of, of giving into temptation, and then we look at it globally right now. Yeah. You see? Yeah. And especially, you know, ninety nine percent of the people on the earth are just like us. We just want to raise a family, mm -hmm. you know, have security, mm -hmm. retire, you know, see our kids grow up. But there's this one tenth or one hundredth of one percent of these leaders right. who have power. Yeah. And they want to conquer other people and kill and create right. wars and all those kinds of stuff. You see what I mean? Yeah. And so that's that's what it's about, you know. And God uses Satan to create these incredible human beings, these credible souls right. that have evolved to such a degree that they were able to overcome, you know, the pleasures right. of sin, you right. know, and trust God. Yeah. With with you know making these moral decisions, and in Genesis we have a double bind exercise which helps with the choices. But the bottom line is is that if you do what's right, God will bless it. Mm -hmm. And the right mm -hmm. thing to do is almost always the, the hard, hard thing, thing to, to do. do. I've heard you say that you see, many you times. Me? Now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you see that this double yeah. bind exercise helps us to look at these choices, the consequences of it, and then trust God. You know, with that, right? You know, uh, you know, and get people involved with being able to make to keep that decision. Yeah. So it's a powerful exercise because yeah. it brings this unconscious choices that we have, you know, where we thought it was a lose lose situation, and make a courageous choice to trust God with the things that we're self gratifying with, yeah. and, and then overcoming the consequences of the sin of that, yeah. and starting in this path of freedom. Yeah. You know? So, you know. Once again, that's the thing to think about. Yeah. You know, is, is what is the game? <laughs> you know, about, the yeah. game is that that I would use this gift of free will, mm -hmm. you know, to freely give it back to God mm -hmm. and be able to realize the the potential that he's given me. You know, which he talks, Jesus talks a lot about that, is that he said, if you, you'll find yourself right. if you lose if yourself. You lose yourself. Right. So what self are you losing right. and what self are you finding? Yeah. You That's so, great. So, yeah. Well, let's, let's hit a couple that, that came in. That I like how um, different these are, but the same topic. So two questions that came in uh, are, will our limbic wounds from childhood ever completely heal or will they always have some pain associated with them? Meaning is the goal to get from a, a 10 on the pain scale to a two or three or a four or a five or a one or to go from 10 to zero. 
Uh, and if it's to get to zero, how long does that take? What do you have to do to get there? And, and all that. It doesn't, and, and very honestly, put at the end, getting to zero doesn't really seem possible. And on the other hand, which we can maybe talk about both of these, what if you don't have childhood trauma specifically? We talk about trauma a lot. Congratulations. Um, we had, uh, <laughs> seriously, well, we had everybody take the, you know, the uh, adverse childhood experiences mm-hmm. quiz, which is like, very clear traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. and the goal hopefully is to get zero on that. We don't Mm -hmm. want people to have that, Mm -hmm. but what happens if you don't have any, you can't point to these major incidents in your life. Uh, but then if you can, or if you realize these limbic wounds are here, is the goal to get from 10 to zero or 10 to two, like speak to that journey a little bit. Well, the goal is to get from 10 to zero. And that happens with some people. It depends on, you know, on what it is, you know, it's got, uh, I probably shouldn't share. Oh, okay, I'll go ahead and share this. A little, <laughs> a little personal. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But uh, about my childhood, a lot of trauma and all that, right? And some things God has healed, and some things God has not. You know? And there's some damage to my brain and my heart and limbic system that will probably are the consequences of not only my choices, but my caregiver's choices. There are consequences to our choices, not only for ourselves and others. And so uh, I think I'm a good example. You know, I've been working on these things for, you know, 40 years or 50 years or so, right? And I have a good life. I have a ministry. I've been married for 40 years. I have kids and all that. But in certain areas, I'm going to walk with a limp. And part of the limp that I walk with is I don't experience certain emotions, okay? I don't experience joy and happiness. They're not available to me. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, a sad thing. You know, something happened, you know, the things happened to me early in child, I don't experience those. So I can still have a good life, but, but those two emotions aren't available to me, okay? But other things, you know, from you know, the trauma and forgiveness and resentments and all that stuff have been healed and I'm free of that. So that's one thing we do with a protective personality right. is we try to take these self, you know, defensive or, or gratification things and turn them over to God and have him minister to those, you see. And uh, I've had people that, you know, a belief system that was in- infecting their life mm. you know, was at a 10, right? Right. And then right. we did this exercise and it went to a zero. Right. And they just said, I just don't believe it anymore. Okay? Yeah. And then that's going to free them from, you know, from the uh, effects of that belief system on their life, you know? Right. So, I, you know, I wish there was a formula, you know, and that's what, <laughs> that's what religion is. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you do all these things and you do it all right, then God's going to hear your prayers and answer your prayers. So it doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. Right. Know? It's, uh, it's, but... But the answer is, is that I, I've decided to do whatever it takes to discover my potential in God. Mm. And I'm going to move towards that direction. And, 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 and it's a risk. Right. Because, you know, recovery is being trust again. Right. You know, and Kathy and I been on that road for a long time and you know we've been hurt and betrayed you know many many times but sometimes we go back and lick our wounds for a while Mm -hmm. you know go back and you know do construction work or something you know and just you know and then 
and then we heal up from that and and because we want our lives to count for something and so we hit 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 the track again right and because when you trust you know you're probably going to get hurt but once again the temptation Mm -hmm. of going back and into my old life right Mm -hmm. Uh, because of those wounds, yeah. and the really the goal in life is is to um, move on from your past experience yeah. experiences, okay, and glean the wisdom out of them. Right. Yeah. Which is what did I learn from this, mm-hmm. and and now how can I apply it in my life? That's knowledge, you know, knowledge applied is wisdom, right. and then use that wisdom to uh, uh, to be able to move forward and help others. Right. So in there, you you talked about protect your personality a little bit. We just did this exercise. I mean, in the change workshop, and so um, we had range of responses and reactions. What happens, especially, uh, and we got this question from somebody, what happens if you can't get in touch with that protective personality? You're not sure what it is. Maybe even if you're like, I think it's this, you can't have that experience where you feel like you're able to actually talk to it, be in touch with it, identify it and, and do something with it. Yeah. Talk to that experience for people. That's a really easy one. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that. If you really want to know about your protective personality, ask the people around you. Okay. <laughs> well, that sounds dangerous. Uh, you know, you know. In Genesis, we only <laughs> ask easy. questions, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the question would be, if you could change something about me that's affecting you, uh, what would it be? Oh, if you could change something about me that's affecting you, right? What would it be? Yeah. Good for the relationship too. <laughs> to yeah. be able to know that. Yeah. yeah, it takes a lot of courage to ask that yeah. question. Well, yeah. You might get more Don't feedback. Don't ask everybody, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> more feedback than you counted on, right? Yeah. You know, I mean you could ask your kids, you could ask your wife, you could ask, you know, hmm. you know, your friends and family, you know, if there's something that you do or something that you know that bothers mm-hmm. them. Uh, uh, because a lot of times we can't see our protective personality. That's why we do it. You know, ask the Lord, you know, right. what this is and all right. that. Uh, but other people are affected by it. Yeah. So, you know, that's really helpful to, uh, especially the people that are very close to you, mm-hmm. you know, are your friends or people even you work with. Yeah. Right. Uh, we all do things that cause other people to be frustrated with us. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of us do <laughs> jerks do yeah. I, I don't yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, so uh, just ask somebody else yeah and just ask them yeah and then that's probably pretty clear things that you need to work on that are sabotaging you know your ability to have the relationships right that you, in a way that you would like to have them right and that'll give and you it's the information for you yeah that'll point to it which is funny because we can deceive ourselves so well but we probably can't actually deceive anybody else all that well. That's right. <laughs> That's, That's right. unfortunate. I've been yeah. working so hard at deceiving everybody, and I just can't. It doesn't work. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's super helpful. Another question that came in um, that I think w- would be interesting, because uh, I think I know where it's going, but I, I think you've got something helpful to say about it. How do loners embrace being born to be social creatures. You said that we are built for this. We're wired and designed for intimacy is one of right. the things you said. But some of us sort of identify as loners or introverts or 
not a social creature um, or social butterfly, especially. But uh, what what does somebody do with that if they can't identify like that personally? What what are some of the things that could be going on there? Well, that's actually pretty easy because there's a big difference between being alone, like an introvert, uh-huh. right, and being isolated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one is a need, like introverts, you know are the opposite of extroverts. We usually marry our opposite to give us some balance. <laughs> yeah. You know, most yeah. always you look yeah. at that. Well, you know, and uh, introverts process things internally. So they, when they're down on energy, they need to go and be alone to recharge. Okay. Extroverts, when they're down on energy and they need to recharge, they do it around people. Yep. That's why I yes, call I extroverts <laughs> social vampires. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Because, you know, we lose energy they gain energy, so it doesn't take take a rocket scientist to figure out where they're getting it from. (laughs) (laughs) It's perfect calculus, really. I mean, you know, (laughs) simple, you know, calculus, right? Yeah, what I need is in you. Let me just grab some of that. That's right, right. And so so then we go there to recharge, but there's a big difference in being isolated. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's where we're Mm self-gratifying, and isolation Mm -hmm. is because of fear. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's pretty, you know, it's okay to be alone, right? Okay, uh, but uh, isolation is, right. is 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 destructive, right? Because you can't, you know, what we say over and over again in the tapes, you can't get to where you want to go, or be who you want to be, alone. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it seems like one of the good litmus tests even is not, am I isolated or alone? That's a that's a bit of an intense and heavy question. It's almost like where do I go when something bad happens? Do I have somebody to tell? Or yeah. does somebody know my secrets? Or yeah. does somebody know the real me? Or is it those kind of questions that are better, Well, that's like a good litmus test for do I have somebody that counts? Because I could also be, somebody else asked in the chat, I didn't submit it, but you know, they talked about, you know, or asked the question, can I be, or does it make sense? I'm trying to remember what it was. Does it make sense that I sometimes feel lonely when surrounded by people? Sure. It's like, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. if they don't know who you are and right. they think that you're the mask that you're wearing, then mm-hmm. of course you don't feel like it. that. That's sort of what we're talking about, the difference, right? It doesn't matter yeah. if you're around people or not. The point is you have the person that knows the real yeah. you. It's something it's, there. The real danger of this right now, Tommy, is it's really easy to get comfortable yeah. in loneliness. Right. And, you know, and they just, you just get, comfortable this is as good as going to get and of course you know we've talked quite a bit about social media and all that kind of stuff right and that you know gives us this synthetic you know counterfeit relationships right the temporary you know um what we call you know uh, that's what all those things do is they temporarily anesthetize Mm -hmm. the awareness of the empty place in me Right. right. And so with all these self-entertaining kinds of, of devices and things we have right yeah. now, it's it's so easy to just get comfortable and being lonely. Right. You know, and that's where some people are just, you know, recluses and, you know, and that's right. a whole different thing, you know. But but uh, uh, it's if you do that, you're 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 not going to grow as right. a human being right. and you will never realize your potential because we only do that through relationships. And, of course, that was the original goal of creating these change groups right. is my clients were so isolated. Right. And so we wanted to create relationships that last. Right. 
that we could go through this process, which is not easy. It's not right. a Bible study. It's a high it, bar of commitment. It, yeah. It's very yeah. high level commitment. And the goal is that people would know me and I would know you and mm -hmm. all how messed up we are, mm -hmm. both our strengths and our weaknesses without judgments, right? Mm -hmm. And then we can, you know, support you both ways, right. support you in overcoming these weaknesses, right. right? And then encourage you in discovering your strengths and keeping you accountable and support to do it. Right. See? And then, so it's you know, these relationships that last, yeah. that people will really know us and we would re really know them. And hopefully they will, you know, last for a lifetime. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So I had a couple other questions that we could uh, go through maybe even a little quicker. Um, somebody asked something real helpful, kind of from the other side of things. So when I'm in leadership, for a recovery group or, or really any type of leadership where you, you have this sense of like, I need to be pulled together mm -hmm. uh, to be trustworthy and to be able to be followed, whether it's in a recovery group or a change group or, or whether it's a, a leader at work, you know, I'm bringing people somewhere um, and they need to trust me. How can I balance this being transparent with my own struggles and my need for intimacy, and then also sitting in this position of authority or, or, or leadership, and you know, I have to be trustworthy. So I can't tell you walk into work every day, for example, and say, yeah. "Well, I'm a mess." Trust me, I know where we're headed. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, how do you balance that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this is something that all professional therapists and psychologists, you know, go through. Mm -hmm. It's something called self-disclosure. Mm -hmm. You know, with transference, counter-transference, and all that. Mm -hmm. But the it's, it's pretty easy. You hit what you're aiming at, okay? Yeah. And I might tell you something in a group because it helps you to understand what you were talking about. Right. But my intention is about you. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. When I start, you know, talking too much about my story, then it's about right. me. Right, You see what I mean? Right. And so that's what it is. And, and, of course, in Genesis, you know, there's, you know, we have the groups, and sometimes there's a facilitator that's in the in the group, and sometimes the facilitator is facilitating the group. Right? Oh, sure. But right. we we eliminate a lot of that, you know, and eliminate people coming to the groups to preach and teach and all that right. kind of stuff. Right. Is we just have a couple of very simple rules, okay? That uh, you're only allowed to communicate by asking questions, right? Okay. So you don't get to preach or teach and, you know, mm -hmm. and said, well, that reminds me of my story, you right. know, and then right. the whole group loses track. And you have to uh, uh, use I statements yeah. when, when you're talking about yourself. Right. And it's one of the things that depersonalizes us in life. You say, you know, you know when you overeat at night how bad you feel <laughs> about yourself the next day. Right. Well, right. are you talking about... Me or you? Me or you're talking about the world, right? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, we all say that. Yeah, TV, yeah. Airways, they, yeah. they use you yeah, when I'm talking yeah. about me. It depersonalizes. But right. what a difference when I say, you know, Tommy, I overate last night. Right. And, you know, and then I went in the bathroom and threw up. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like crap about myself today. Right. See? Right. Big difference. A lot different. You see, now you're connecting with me. Right. We're before you're we're philosophizing right that's a good word I like yeah that. which is hard to connect with <laughs> you and see? that's the whole point is yeah. that we create connection anyway yeah. and so and yeah. so you know there's a place to tell your story but usually in group i want it to be about you not about me yeah so it's for the if if what i have in me is for your benefit 
then it's worth it when I'm in that position. Right. And then also when I need to create specific connection to go, hey, I understand this because I, not right. because, oh, all the people. So really, that's interesting. It really, a lot of times we try and hear, at least I've seen a lot and felt the temptation to uh, hear somebody's story and say, oh yeah, that's so hard for a person to experience that because that's really what they need. And I try and broaden it out to the whole world and go like, that's, yeah. you're right. That's so tough because big blanket statement, philosophizing, right. Right. but it's impossible to connect with that. Right. Like, well, that doesn't give me any more hope. Right. But if I say, you know, that makes sense to me because I had a similar experience. And so I feel your pain. They're like, yeah. oh, well, this is creating something it's, here. It, yeah, it's a lot it's, different. It's creating understanding. For example, you know, I share, I don't usually share that, you know, about, but when I t work with prisoners yeah. in a, you know, in a oh, prison sure. or something, yeah. I say, you know, the goal is to be a human being again. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, how many of you uh, do not ex experience joy and happiness? Right. And almost everybody raises their hand. <laughs> you see? I say, you know, that's okay. Right. You can still have a good life. You know, look at me. I mean, I'm, I should be in prison with you. It's the grace <laughs> of God. Right. You know, but I don't experience these things either. You yeah. know? And, and so, you know, it takes, because we have low dopamine in the brain, right. it takes, you know, how many you only feel alive when you're doing something dangerous. Right. And they always already raise their hand. Right, right, right. It takes intense experiences for to, for us to feel at all. Right. It's called reactive attachment disorder. Right. Okay. And uh, and so we become, you know, most of the people are doing crime, not because they need to, but because it's a rush. And they need it to yeah. feel human. Yeah. So right. how do you take that? Right. And 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 when you get out of here and not self-destruct. Right. So I've shared a little of my story, yeah. but it's, you know, it's about them. For the sake of them and for the sake yeah. of the connection. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. If I can do it, you can do it. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, what, what else is on your mind in terms of, um, anything you want everybody to know? I mean, we're at the midpoint of this, of this workshop. Um, you know, I think we, we've spent these first four sessions really, understanding the foundation of change. I know we got plenty of, of time left and sessions left and, and, mm -hmm. and hopefully change groups then, but what do you want somebody to know at the midpoint, uh, as they've uncovered, like I, I might be more messed up than I thought <laughs> I might've started to uncover some things in the past. I don't really know affected me so much. Uh, what would you want people to know as they're at this midpoint, um, that'll push them through the rest of the way? Well, I think it, it that, it, it takes an intentionally focused group to get well. Yeah. That the group is not a Bible study, mm. you know. The group is about, you know, what's sabotaging my attempts at success in life, right. you know, and what are the tools and relationships I need to get through it. You know, for example, you know, we, we talked a lot about anxiety as an addiction. People yeah. hate it yeah. when yeah. I say That's that, stressful. right? <laughs> but, but, you know, but when we get energy from emotions yeah. can, in the brain, it's very similar to, you know, cocaine or meth or heroin and these kinds of, and we manipulate these emotions and we become addicted to them. You know, and I think anxiety is probably the biggest one. Yeah. But, you know, what we talked about is anything that speeds up your body right. dulls the awareness of physical and emotion pain. Right. So that's, you know, what people that, that, you know, you're doing these things like anxiety, which is causing you to overeat at night to, you know, to create more serotonin and lower, right. you know, the thing that, that, uh, it, and it's totally unconscious, right. You know, like when we were talking with Mike about he's being late all the time. Yeah. 
Well, in Genesis, they go, well, what do you benefit do you get from being late all the time? Right. That's they never, never thought question. about that before. <laughs> yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. See, so all the answers are in you. You know, they're not in some therapist or some right. kind of thing. The answers are in you and all, and, you know, what happened to you in life and how it affected you and how you cope with it and how it's still affecting you today. You know, I don't have that. It's in you. Right, see? right. And so if I ask the right questions, it's, it's, it's not information that causes you to change. Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. it's self-discovery. Mm. Oh, that's good. That aha moment. That's right. an experience. Because well, if it was information that helped us change. Yeah. Are you kidding me? We would be fine. How many now. times you read the Bible? We have right? the most information of any about the, the human brain, about the world, about the, the structure yeah. of the universe. We have more information than we've ever had. I consume more information every, I think, hour than most people in human history consumed in their whole life. Sure. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah. It just clearly doesn't Next do the God, trick. Yeah. Google knows everything. Exactly. <laughs> Way more than me. And so I, it's clearly not the thing. You know, it's interesting, too. Uh, the, this anxiety one, I've been thinking about it a lot because I, I talk to, to people with anxiety. It usually feels like, you know, anxiety is this this root cause. It comes at, well, I have anxiety. It's a thing I have. It's a thing I live with. It's, and it's so true. And it, and I think you talk, uh, we have another uh, a session coming up where, where you talk a little bit more about even the uh, the kind of interdependent relationship on sometimes the, the place for medication and, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the, the clinical diagnosis of anxiety and all of that. And I think that's really helpful. Uh, and we won't get in there now, but but what's interesting is anxiety really should cause us to ask the question, which, which you've said before, what are you afraid of? Right. And that's a good question because that brings me back to anxiety is just an emotion. It's not this unbeatable driving force. It, it is an, emo it's an intensely strong emotion, but that's only the midpoint of the formula. What's it's behind it is the thought and belief system right. that if I'm afraid of something, that's the problem. And so there's there's still a thought and belief system behind it. And that's been incredibly helpful for me to realize that there's something else there. And then, I, then I'm, I'm getting it. And that's the double bind exercise is that I'm getting a benefit uh -huh. from negative behaviors. Right. That's new information. Which, which is also something I love. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about anxiety and we were talking even before this a little bit about social media and, and, and what I like to call the outrage machine. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I heard, I heard Twitter described recently and Twitter's a weird little universe that not a lot of people are in even, but I know absolutely nothing. about. Well, yeah. But what it is, it's, it's like you literally take Trump. the, <laughs> but you take the Savannah desert, right. And you just put everybody there and you go, let's be a mob. Want to be a mob today? Let's be a mob. Let's be mad about something. Let's be outraged. Cool. What are we mad at today? And then we just, let's go find something. And as soon as the first thing that pops up in the day that we're mad at, we're all going to go kill it. Mm -hmm. Not because we cared about that thing, but because we were a mob and we needed to kill something. Right. And, it, and it's fascinating because I think I see that with the dehumanization of social media mm -hmm. of, you know, I just get to argue in a comment thread and it's not because I care that much about the ideas and, and maybe a little bit because, you know, I think that the politician's going to save me or this cultural trend is going to kill the world. And like none of that's important, though, compared to I don't want to deal with the fact that I have a problem today. Mm -hmm. I have deeply uncomfortable emotions and experiences and I yeah, want to get yeah, away from and finding ways to run place, from it. And I can run from it because I can yell about that thing. Yeah. And if I'm yeah. mad about that, I don't have to be worried about what's in here. Yeah. And I see that 
over and over. It's the outrage machine and the algorithm. It just feeds it oh, because sure. that's it, how know, they get more. That's how they sell more ads. The but, energy from drama and yeah. anger is one of our most powerful ones. I think a really yep. good example is drama. Yeah, is, that's a good is, word. Yep. Is the Pharisees right? Uh, yeah. All the stuff that Jesus said, all the good uh, things he did, all they all they got out of it yeah. was something to argue with him about. Right. Right. See. Great. Blind guys healed because they love that. But you did it on the wrong day. You're right. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know. You know. And so they, you know, they, had, you know, the guy had seven wives, right? Right. And, and so right. they tried to trap him because they tried to argue about. It. So I mean, I'm a recovering right. Pharisee, so I really understand all yeah. that, and yeah. I'm kind of a lawyer in my mind, you know. But that's where you take responsibility that I'm getting a benefit from right. anxiety, anger, rage, you know, workaholism. You know, being late, yeah. uh, you know, uh, all these kinds of things that, and that's what Genesis is, you know, it's just, you know, especially the double bind exercise helps us understand, right. you know, and, and, you know, like anxiety is the, is the easiest one and not all anxiety and depression and these kinds of things, right. you know, come under this category. Some people actually have brain abnormalities sure. right? yeah. and they need to, um, uh, you know, and they need to balance that chemically and all stuff. that. Yeah, yeah. But it, but I think that's much rarer hmm. than we're experiencing, you know, and especially in our society, because one of the things that we've been we've been taught since very you know from, from infancy right. is that pain is bad. Pain is bad. But yeah. pain is a message that tells us something's wrong, so we'll respond to it. If we anesthetize the message, right. we won't ever you know. We won't ever respond to it. And I think one of the questions on there, which is real briefly, is that, you know, what's, why are we so messed? What's missing in our society? Uh, yeah. And one yeah. of the things I've noticed in my wife's, a, you know, a preschool and elementary school teacher that she noticed over the last 20, 30 years, 30 years or more, is that parents cannot stand and they can't for their children to be uncomfortable, mm. you know? And there are certain stages that we go through, you know, where we we change begins from being made uncomfortable. Yeah. But the parents and a lot of it, you know, hope, you know, I'm gonna offend <laughs> a few people here, is because of guilt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I feel guilty because both parents are working, I don't have time to spend with my kids, you know, circumstances of this and, and all that. So when they're unhappy, it reflects on my guilt and you know, and you know, my lack of of, of, of being able to be the parent I want to be. And so they, you know, they give them something. They give them this. And the other part of it that's so bad yeah. is there's a brain thing that happens with a terrible twos. Okay. Say and, more uh, to me with my two and a half year old, please. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So the terrible twos is a time where the brain learns to self-regulate. Mm, in other words, mm -hmm. you didn't give me my way, yeah. and I'm having a terrible and temper I'm tantrum. Angry. You know, and uh, <laughs> sociologists studied those temper tantrums, and they said if that was an adult, they would be homicidal, and probably kill somebody. Well, that's terrifying. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, inaccurate. Yeah. I, I've seen the look in his eyes. Yeah. I mean, I get it. So, <laughs> so they're learning, yeah. you know, how to, to not be homicidal. <laughs> well, and what yeah. they call it, you know, and the joy thing is a return to joy. In other huh. words, now I hate you. Right, right. You know, and now I it's have true. to yeah. find a way in me 
to return to be with you again. Right. And when parents don't let their kids go through that stage, when they're yeah, unhappy, they give yeah. them some food, they put them on TV, they buy them something. Right. You know, they can't stand for them to be unhappy. Which is see? literally anesthetizing the pain that they don't of the real problem. What yeah. they don't learn to self-regulate. Right. Right, right. And they will struggle with it with anger and rage and unforgiveness and these kinds of things for the rest of their life. Yeah. Because there are stages that your brain goes through to learn. And if you miss those stages, you have to find a way to, to compensate some other way than it was designed. And my guess is that it's a lot harder to go through that stage as a 25 year old compared to when you're a two-year-old because oh, two-year-old your brain is still plastic it's pliable it's right. changing all the time and 25 man it's set yeah, so you're right. gonna have to get in there and cut a part out and put a new part in i mean it really right. it's so much different and you see some people a lot of people in prison they you know they they are not able to control their emotions right. and self-regulate yeah just complete overreaction right to rageaholics the, the yeah, same yeah, way yeah. Same. Yeah. so this is one of the problems in our society right yeah. now is that you know, is we don't allow our children to be unhappy. That is, that is massive implications, like yeah. not stealing from them the uncomfortable moments, the painful moments, the rage-filled moments, all of those moments that we feel like I'm a bad parent because I let my... And that's what it really... I mean, yeah. for me, that's what it comes back to. I, I'm a bad parent because I, I'm letting my kid experience this thing that I can save them from. Big air quotes on save. Right. I can snatch away from them um but what i'm really doing is stealing their future right. as a whole human that went through the process that they needed to to be a real uh and functional adult that is fascinating and, and, and allowing, allowing your kids to experience failure yep yeah i mean in my life i learn more from my failures than i do my successes i think yeah, yeah. I and so when you're yeah, yeah. constantly rescuing kids you see them going in the wrong direction right you know and especially the, the wall. Yeah. especially the prodigals, yeah, 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 they're only going to learn from experience. And, not and you take the experience right. away, right. they never learn. Yeah, see, and so it's 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 a balance, you see. And yeah. most parents, you know, because they didn't receive it as themselves, yeah. you know, no one teaches us how to be a parent. It only comes from, you know, it's just like no one teaches you to be married. You're just supposed to be able to do it, right? <laughs> and just, good luck. you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? And, and, and so I think this is one where place where the church can really help. Yeah. Because we apply this, you know, the science with, you know, biblical truth and wisdom and understanding. Right. And, you know, and help, you know, parents and marriages and, uh, you know, the strong-willed child and, you know, the teenagers and, you know, uh, they're, they're, and that's kind of why, you know, I wrote those books is with the problems in our society right now, Tommy, yeah. you know, and the pain is escalating, you know, I, that's my job. I want to help hurting people get well. Yeah. And the only solution that I can come up with yeah. To help this on a community level is the local church. Yeah, the government's not going to do it, and we're in the schools <laughs> teach our kids sex education. Right, you know, yeah. and you know, and these teenagers have you know no support and all the incredible difficult choices they have to make and temptations every day. You know that you know when people pain motivates us to change, and you know and that's my goal is that, that we make churches safe and competent. Right. Yep. So that when people do get with the pigs, 
when they do hit a bottom and they start to look for spiritual answers, what we all right. do right. when we when we hit a bottom, right? Right. Okay. Uh, that they would think of this local church yeah. as having the answers. Yep. And because they They're see able to help me. Yeah, because change. people yeah. are are different. There's yeah. grace and competency yeah. and, and they see people there changing. See, right. and that's you know, best evangelism changed life, you right. know, it's old speech. Yeah. But you know, and that's my goal. Yeah. See? And I'm hoping that, you know, these videos and Genesis process and all can, you know, when people are God make people willing to change, that the local church would have the ability to make them able to change. Yeah. Because we we give we give too much, uh, what do you call it, responsibility yeah, to the yeah, Holy Spirit yeah. <laughs> to do it all. Okay? You know, we baptize yeah. him and then he's all yours, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, and you're supposed to make all these changes. Right. He reads his Bible and then all these old <laughs> things pass away and all things become new. Right. Okay? And the bottom line of that, and you know, sorry you guys, but it's because <laughs> you know, we don't want to get our hands dirty. Yep. We don't want to get involved. Yep. We say, you know, you know, if you, hey, if you mess up because you don't have enough faith, so go out and get some, you know. And but God wants to work through us, yeah. not only to help the people, but, you know, do we find we find ourselves mm -hmm. by giving ourselves away? Yeah. You see. And so we want to, you know, what an amazing church that would be yeah. where this kind of activity is going on. Right. Well, I know we could talk for a long time. This feels like it could be a very good intro to a much longer video, but we'll, we'll stop here for now. I just want to say again, thank you, uh, not just for um, this conversation or the change workshop or the Genesis process, but thank you for uh, giving us another picture of what it looks like to do the go through the process yourself, like respond to the pain, become a whole human. I, I, thank you for letting your life uh, and your experience become a blessing to so many other people. Thanks for giving yeah. us an example to follow. And um, I'm just so excited to keep having these conversations and uh, helping more people find hope. Well, you know, I thank you and the church here for giving me the opportunity to this because, you know, I got to walk what I talk and, you know, I have to, I have to give to grow just like everybody else. Yeah, so, I love it. Well, right, well I'm sure you. this is the first of many. Thanks. Thank you.